Hello, welcome back uh, to the Creation Podcast. Bit of a hiatus, um, not because of the pandemic, but we'll get on to that. <laughs> We're going to do a quick catch-up and then hopefully normal service shall resume on the podcast. Um, so the catch-up, of course, is our traditional format where I just talk to Lucy. Uh, it's not in the same house, we're in different houses, but other than that, business as usual. Hello, Lucy. Hello. <laughs> Lucy, who apparently has a cold, uh, so is uh, niffling her way through. Well, you said the word apparently there, like, maybe I'm faking it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I think I mean, it's like, a big scam. to the listener. All of it, like, you've been taking six months and come, become really husky. It would be the ultimate scam at the moment to just get a bit of time off, wouldn't it? Oh, I've got a bit of a cold, so I need to isolate. Yeah, I, my dog's been coughing a lot today, so I think he's handling <laughs> for two weeks in his bed. I think he'd like that. Um, right, anyway, so, man, here we are. The last, I looked, the last podcast was Leak House rehearsals, with me, like, in the rehearsal room in Vista, waving a recorder on people's noses, which just feels like a different planet. Um, yeah, just blowing my mind a bit. So, that was a long so was, time ago. Yeah, and there was even a show in between that I, I was presumably just too pregnant to follow the cast around uh, around London. That's why I haven't been here for six months, by the way. <laughs> I haven't been uh, buried in COVID. I've been sorting out a baby um, who's now with other people in the daytime when I'm back at creation. Um, but yeah, so that after that, there was Time Machine, uh, which, was, which was at the London Library, but it all, it was... Still, it was open, but there was there were kind of we knew about cases in China, and it was kind of touch and go as as to whether it was ever going to kind of make the end of the run, which it didn't end up doing. No, we did two weeks, and two weeks kind of with the guidance. I seem to remember with the guidance changing all the time, um, or, or the kind of looming prospect of changing guidance. Yes. It was but a very then, strange time. <laughs> I'm trying to sort of conjure, like I'm trying to like get back into that. What was it like before this was normal? Um, so that one ended off two weeks. It was frightening. It was just frightening. That's what it was like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just what's going to happen. Scary. Um, and and not not many people saw that one, obviously, because it was because uh, it had that curtailed run. But it later came back on Zoom, and probably more people saw the the fact that the script, because it had been put together with futurologists, they probably don't like that word, it had it did have references to kind of viruses and pandemics and vaccines and yeah, it felt kind of like, oh, we predicted the future <laughs> accurately. Damn it. Yeah, well it's it's like really is uh so it was supported by the Wellcome Centre for Ethics and Humanities. Um and we should probably just do a whole podcast on them one day because what they do is so interesting. Yeah. But they're a humanities department of Oxford University, but like fundamentally they're sort of ethicists looking at the implications of technology and AI and big data and medical development. But a lot of what they do has been around pandemics. And so it was a, a really odd, but also sort of really slightly advantageous position we were in that we were talking to them and doing a show about the fact there would be a pandemic, a SARS-like pandemic and the potential it had to, to wipe out you know millions of people across the globe how it'd be spread by air travel how only new zealand um would sort of get away relatively untouched so so when it all started to happen it sort of felt weird as if somehow we'd made it happen but also i think in a way we were psychologically quite well prepared for it and i think a part of why creation have sort of adapted quite quickly and and done quite well over the past seven months 
has been because we we I think we knew I think we had quite a realistic outlook look about how long this could go on for and the value of serious adaptation and I think a lot of people kind of thought oh well it will pass it will be a few weeks or a few months and it'll be back to normal and I think really it was that welcome center insight that was sort of giving us the tip off of it's it's, it's, it's this is a big deal <laughs> it won't pass quickly but also the fact that there will be there will be future pandemics this isn't going to be the the last one you know hopefully we'll get a nice gap between the next one but they are because of globalization because of deforestation we, we're living closer to animals we're going to have more pandemics so actually it sort of shows the value of organizations adapting in a way where we're pandemic proof um which i think has really helped us out yeah it's amazing. Sorry, i went off on a slight that... tangent then no 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 i think it, i think how did we kind of get into it is it into the kind of the new version of creation that's happening at the moment is really interesting because it's everything moves so fast at the moment that you just keep accepting the new normal as the new normal and it's hard to kind of get back into that feeling of like yeah what what how what led to the thing that's happening now which is only six months ago but yeah it's mad and so so like we've been sort of sorting out like logistics of things and where stuff is and and uh, I'm really drawn to this image that, which I'm sure happened to a lot of people, not me because I was just in my house, um, of going into work one day, expecting to just be at work, leaving work, expecting to come back the next day and not coming in the next day. Yeah. So all the all the kind of projects and all the physical bits and pieces that, that run creation, and there's a lot of bits and pieces, were then kind of impounded in our office. And you guys just had to sort of, think about how to make the new thing with none of the old stuff yeah well we, we did a smash and grab it was like very um post-apocalyptic we went in and and grabbed everything we could you know because the the mill that our office is in was still open so we'd, we'd been given the government instruction of everyone needs to work from home um and we went in and we grabbed every you know i had a random like a massive bag of costumes and hats and you know things that we thought we might need for working from home mm -hmm. if we were doing shows remotely and digitally and or if we found ways to do small shows that were socially distanced so we had this like whole load of costumes grabbed I grabbed a load of the tech um, we emptied the bins so that nothing would rot away we took all the, all the house plants out and then tried to get people to take them and just left them at the top of the stairs someone to take. Um, so, yeah, so we did a kind of, you know, turning off the heaters, turning off the lights, making sure there was no food in the fridge job and then shut up shop and went to home working. And was there a moment, cause again, it's the, it's the splitting, it's the sliding doors, the splitting apart. Was there a moment where digital theatre kind of came to the top of the pile and there were other things on the list or were you pretty clearly like okay we are creation we don't have a theatre so let's make our own one in space <laughs> uh, well I mean very quickly there was nothing else you could do so I think mm. that's the thing that really like forced the issue is that you know you weren't like no one was allowed to leave the house <laughs> other than for a short walk so initially we were kind of looking at digital options for for drama club was very quickly was the first step was converting drama clubs to being digital and then we were looking at kind of digital possibilities on a list of things that like we wanted to do a driveway dramas thing where we'd rock up outside your house 
with a show that was sort of based with actors around a car, getting in and out of a car, and you'd watch it from within your house wearing wireless headphones. Um, and that's what we were initially looking at doing. And then it was that was off the cards because no one was allowed to do anything. Um, so at that point, it just like the full attention went onto the digital work. And but we the like work. Go on. I was going to say, I think we really, I think we had very, very clear priorities really early on, which were we had a responsibility to entertain people and to still be producing work for an audience to watch, and we had a responsibility to be paying as many freelancers as we could to make work and that actually if creation didn't survive and we weren't here in a year's time and we did those two things that was the most important thing like it was it was like very clear really early on that that's you know that's what that's the path we were going to follow um and that that was actually more important than than our kind of long-term survival was that we we did those two things in the crisis yeah, that's interesting, I suppose, because that then shapes your whole perspective, because you're not riding it out, you're not hunkering down, you're not going dark, you're not kind of waiting waiting it out, which maybe is informed by the Welcome Centre stuff, but you're actually, if your two imperatives are to entertain people and to keep people in work, then you have to make something, you have to come up with something that, that you can make yeah. and sell to an audience who are stuck in their houses and and probably quite receptive to, to a bit of lighthearted something yeah yeah absolutely because there was it there was sort of no other choice or the only other choice would to have been to have gone dark and to have said well nobody's mm. working you know and potentially we could have put everyone on furlough and we could have chosen to do that but you know at that point we wouldn't be we wouldn't be you know that those two objectives of to our freelancers and our audience would we you know that kind of responsibility and really that responsibility of the of, you know being a charity like actually if we'd been running it purely on business brain possibly going dark would have been the sensible thing to have done at that point I mean as it happens it's turned out to be we've benefited hugely from the decisions we made but uh, you know when you mm. put my mindset back in at the start and the thought process at the start the business sense would be furlough everyone and go dark and save the funds as much as possible and then rebuild when you can but our charitable objective is to be there for the provision of the arts and it was clear freelancers were in for a really long haul of struggling to get paid work so we just sort of went went for it <laughs> and so the first going for it was to take time machine online well so tempest came first oh tempest oh man i was i did not get a lot of sleep in this period i saw both those shows i don't remember which order that was in okay tempest was first which was last summer tempest yes yes so really early on i spoke to sort of like i don't know in the first week of lockdown i was phoning zoe at big telly and talking to her and saying what are you doing what are you doing um and uh zoe said let's let's you know let's revive the where we had we had all our actors who would have been doing the time machine still under contract and we were still paying them because we weren't mm. going to just say you can't do a show you're unpaid. So we were still paying their contracts. So we had them to do something with. Zoe was in a similar situation with some of her actors. There was a big crossover between ours and hers of people who'd been in The Tempest. We were thinking along mm. the lines of doing some kind of digital interactive thing. She was sort of starting to play in Zoom and going, I think we could do something with this. So we said, let's do a couple of days R&D, let's put them together, let's see what we make. Um, and after a couple of days, we decided that, you know, with another week of rehearsals, we could put, create something we could put on sale. So we did, and their response was ridiculous. <laughs> 
you know, people really <laughs> loved it. It got a four star review in the Guardian. You know, it went bananas, and we we ended up extending it and then extending it again, and then we got a funded performance because a report was written by the University of Exeter um, about our digital transformation. So that funded more performances. So it kind of sort of went on and on um and you know attracted a global audience and did really well but that was the first one and then we decided that the time machine that was meant to be happening at the natural history museum in august mm. um that it made most sense originally originally we thought we wouldn't do it too soon because it was about pandemics and it felt too mm. close to the bone but actually we quite quickly felt that actually you know contagion was the most popular film on netflix and it was it was better to get on and do it quickly um, than wait too long. So we did a four week run of that, two shows a day that pretty much sold out. And it was all what's so fascinating about all of it is the process of making it is it can't exist until it exists. You can't you can't work out what an audience how an audience are going to respond when they're a hundred little boxes on a screen and you can't work out how the actors will cope if they can't see the audience or there are no other actors in the room like it couldn't you couldn't test it as a completely new media without doing it which just must have been mental (laughs) yeah although I think uh, I think because of the work we normally do it just has never Mm. felt that different because we when we go to a new venue we don't know how it will work we don't know if the sight lines will work we don't know if the the, the seating layout's in the right position. We don't know if there's the sound's too loud. And uh, like there's so much that's similar. And so actually, in a way, Zoom's always felt to me like a much safer producing experience than what we normally do. <laughs> like the joy of like the absolute joy of like the first um, Zoom shows and having an audience of 100 and thinking, I don't need to worry about any of you falling over. You know, yeah. you, no, du- not, no ducks are going to be on the stage at any point in the show. You're not going to be, if you're sick, I don't have to clear it up. Like, this is a joy. <laughs> this is a joy. Many of the things I stay awake at night worrying about on most productions. What if that piece of set falls down and hits someone on the head? Just are completely removed. So although there's elements of it that are new and can sort of seem a bit scary, I think I've always kind of felt, I think what's ha- what can happen a lot with digital theatre and just generally with sort of home working and the new normal is we forget what was frightening and tiring and difficult about our old mm. life you know and like zoom fatigue oh you get zoom fatigue if you're in zoom for two hours I get me if I was in a meeting for two hours I'd be exhausted at the end of it so why is it newsworthy that I get tired after two hours in zoom you know I think there's 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 a lot of analogies with it and like you know there's sort of oh it's so terrifying if as an actor you get thrown out of zoom and you have to come back in and resume the performance. It is terrifying. And, you know, like it's happened to me when I've been supporting a show, it's horrible. And there's this feeling of it being completely out of your control. From an audience experience, it's no different to if a loud plane goes overhead or a massive rainstorm comes down in the middle of an open air performance. They disrupt the show. Maybe you momentarily have to pause what you're doing and then you pick it up again. And that's what makes it live. And that's what live theatre is. Yeah. You know, I was thinking that as you were saying that, that that is what made it, um, you know, we did at the beginning of lockdown, our household did watch a couple of, of streams of record, of performances that had been recorded before lockdown by various kind of, you know, free ones and paid ones and theatres around the country. But it, it felt like watching, the, it was on the telly, but it felt like watching the, the telly. It didn't feel like a show because it didn't have that 
well, it might go wrong. And I don't, I, that's not everything that's about theatre being live because it also might go right and it might be magic and this might be the night where it kind of all clicks. But you don't have that possibility for something that's screened from a previously live show. You know it's happened. You know it's any. The, it's Chris Good's cat test. <laughs> something's live. He says something's live if you a cat's walked onto the stage and the performers would just incorporate the cat being on the stage into the show. That's what makes the show yeah. feel live. If the cat walking on the stage disrupt either is completely ignored, you yeah. completely ignore it and you carry on, or you stop it and get rid of the cat and then carry on, then that performance isn't live. That performance is just dead. And I think that that's, you know, that's a part of it. If actually you're controlling your live stream to the extent that nothing can go wrong, it's that's what a film is. A film is something that's so controlled and recorded. There's nothing unpredictable in it. Um, and you have to have that kind of element of danger and unpredictability and the thing that can go wrong that reminds us it's unique to us in that moment. And everyone was so game. That's, I think once you get the, once you get the audience me at the time to buy in to that the actors are taking a risk everything's live everything's happening then you lose a lot of inhibitions about being spotlighted being on the screen clapping making like in the tempest we had to make a rainstorm and all the audience had to make different noises and it was so exciting and fun and you know like not difficult technologically but it you had already bought into the fact that this everyone was out on a limb here and we were going to kind of get together and make it work. But the audience have, our, our creation audience and also a new audience have really got behind this, this kind of theatre, which I guess you must have been crossing your fingers about at the beginning. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know there was a feeling <laughs> because there was nothing else to do. You yeah. know, like we had to make work, we had to put out. But I think also we were we were doing far more um like as as sort of David Parrish, who founded Creation, has sort of talked about he works in Norway now, and the Norwegian model of programming theatre is is much less committing to a long run of a of a performance, but committing mm. to a short run and then extending it if it sells well. And actually that's the model that a lot of the digital work we've done has followed, is we only ever expected to do one weekend of Tempest. There wasn't a lot to lose, it wasn't a big stressful gamble on mm. if this is going to work it was we were already committed to contracts for a lot of those performers anyway and, and committed to paying them it, it, there wasn't you know like and actually that was a lovely kind of a, quite a nice freeing way to make work um and to not have that anxiety and then obviously it, it proved itself very quickly it kind of was a great sort of test start you know case that then gave us the confidence to kind of but actually I think it's it's given us something that really feels like genuinely like an innovative process where every digital performance leaves us with like other bits we want to kind of unpick and explore and new things that we want to experiment with so it really feels kind of a much more experimental innovative process of okay well what we want to do with this show is we want to particularly explore a certain type of experience and with this next one we actually want to explore a slightly different type of experience and how we can use technology in a slightly different way and it's a really um it's a really nice way to be working. Yeah, because you've got, you've always got the scope to change everything. I was, I was just watching the clock there and thinking, oh, we've got to about twenty minutes, and I've really only asked you about like the first month of the pandemic, mm -hmm. so maybe we should make this a two-parter. 
Um, Because I feel like we've done the kind of how did we get here, but then there's sort of phase two of of digital shows where other people start coming in and and it really kind of it stops being an emergency response and starts being a kind of real kind of creative um, injection into what we can make. But maybe we should call that part two. <laughs> uh, go away, come back, make another cup of tea, uh, have another think about it, um, yeah. and come back and come back for part two, which is how this might be here to stay. Not not hopefully the pandemic, but at least the kind of the, the ethos and the creativity and maybe the platform. And yeah, we could we could reconvene on part the two. legacy of it, I guess. Part two. I like <laughs> say something cliffhanger-y now for the end. Yeah. But it was then that something stuff. really interesting happened. Just Charlie now, um, because we had a little thought uh, as we pressed stop recording um, that if we were going to pick it up next week and if anybody listening had a particular burning question about well, how did that happen? How did that come about? Why did you choose that? Or what was difficult about that thing or this thing? Um, then send them over. There's, there is an email podcast at creationtheatre.co.uk um, or if I pop this up on socials, just comment below and we'll do the next one probably sometime next week um, and we're recording Thursday afternoon. So if you send it to me um, by Wednesday. Then we can um, then we can incorporate that into phase two <laughs> of uh, of the big creation catch up. Thank you for listening to the Creation Theatre podcast. You can find more episodes and all the latest creation news at creationtheatre.co.uk. Thank you.